Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died, setting off more fireworks in an already explosive and intense political environment. Of course, Justice Ginsburg's death opens up a vacancy on the Supreme Court with only about six weeks left to go before the 2020 presidential election. This has sparked predictable controversy regarding the nomination and confirmation of her successor, and people are losing their goddamn minds. A cursory glance at what the crazies on Twitter are saying. Bew Willimon says, We're shutting this country down if Trump and McConnell try to ram through an appointment before the election. Molly Jong Fast says, I am in a rage about the Trump defenders pretending there's a precedent for filling RBG's seat. The election has, in some places, already started. Fred Sablin, 200,000 dead from COVID-19, one stimulus check in six months, tens of millions unemployed, tens of thousands getting evicted or on the verge, people choosing what bills to pay so they can eat, but sure, ram through a Supreme Court nominee, fuck you GOP. Reza Aslan, over our dead bodies, literally, responding to a tweet saying that McConnell said President Trump's nominee will receive a vote on the floor of the United States Senate. Reza says, over our dead bodies, literally. And he had tweeted out earlier, if they even try to replace RBG, we burn the entire fucking thing down. These are pretty intense responses. Cringe, even. Now, Supreme Court nominees are seen as one of the biggest and most lasting impacts that a president can have, due in large part to the fact that justices of the Supreme Court have tenure for life. The independence of the judiciary means that once a justice is appointed to the Supreme Court, they ain't going nowhere. So, while I understand the intensity, which some may feel about the prospect of Trump nominating a new justice to the Supreme Court, the political process and the powers apportioned among the various branches of government, as laid out in the Constitution, have to be respected. Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution provides... He shall have power, by and with the advice and consent of the Senate, to make treaties, provided two-thirds of the senators present concur, and he shall nominate, and by and with the advice and consent of the Senate, shall appoint ambassadors, other public ministers and consuls, judges of the Supreme Court, and all other officers of the United States. Now, sometimes things work out according to your political preferences, and sometimes they don't. Unfortunately, we don't get to simply do away with the rules because they happen to be inconvenient for us right now. And this applies to both sides equally. When Justice Scalia died, leading up to the 2016 election, Republicans argued that it would not be appropriate for Obama to make a nomination so close to the election. This argument really makes no sense. There's no waning presidential power in the final days of the presidency. Up until the next president takes office, the sitting president has all the powers vested in him by the Constitution, which includes appointing judges to the Supreme Court by and with the advice and consent of the Senate. So it was a bad argument when the Republicans made it, and it's a bad argument now. In a twist of humor, it was actually Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself who weighed in on this in a New York Times interview back in 2016 when she said, quote, there's nothing in the Constitution that says the president stops being the president in his last year. And she called for Obama's nominee, Judge Garland, to receive a confirmation vote 
in the Senate. Of course, Republican Senate leaders had declared that because Scalia's seat became vacant during an election year, the Senate wouldn't even consider a nomination, and Democrats rightfully criticized the move as being unprecedented and said there was plenty of time to vote on a nominee before the election. And what ended up happening is that Garland's nomination expired on January 3rd, 2017, with the end of that Congress. And Obama's successor, Donald J. Trump, of course, nominated Judge Neil Gorsuch, who filled the vacancy at the end of January 2017, soon after uh, Trump took office. The point is that the Republicans made a bad argument then. Democrats and others pointed out, rightfully so, that there's no constitutional basis for limiting a president's ability to nominate justices to the Supreme Court simply because they are in their final year of the presidency. Of course, now that's exactly the argument that Democrats and people on the left are making because politics is all about power and not about truth and reality and consistency. If there's an argument to be wielded in order to preserve or gain power, it will be made whether it conforms to any kind of reality or not. And this issue about Supreme Court nominees in the final year of a presidency is the grift that keeps on grifting. Here's former Bill Clinton aide and Democratic hack George Stephanopoulos suggesting to Nancy Pelosi in a completely out-of-nowhere, totally bizarre moment that perhaps impeachment of the president could be used to stop Trump from nominating a justice to the Supreme Court. Some have mentioned the possibility, if they try to push through a nominee in a lame duck session, that, that you and the, the House could move to impeach President, President Trump or Attorney General Barr as a way of stalling and preventing the Senate from acting on this nomination. Well, we have our options. We have arrows in our quiver that I'm not about to discuss right now. This is really wild, totally unacceptable stuff. I think even Nancy Pelosi was caught off guard by this, but she really should have scoffed at the idea and said something like, okay, calm down, no one is impeaching the president. Instead, she creepily mentions that we have our arrows in our quiver. Okay. So the reaction across the Twitter sphere and the media establishment has been absolutely cringe, but the cringe doesn't stop there. The Hill reports, droves of protesters descended on Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's home in Kentucky on Saturday after he said President Trump's nominee to replace the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg would receive a vote on the Senate floor, even with the presidential election just weeks away. According to the Courier Journal and local media, over 100 protesters flocked to McConnell's home in Louisville. In footage and photos captured from the demonstration, some could be seen holding signs with messages like Honor Her Wish and Ruth Sent Us, and others reading phrases like Ditch Mitch. Some protesters could also be seen chanting phrases like Vote Him Out and RBG, referring to Ginsburg in footage taken Saturday. The demonstration reportedly lasted for about three hours. Some protesters had been approached by local police for blocking the street during the protest and at least one demonstrator was arrested. Point number one, this is totally unacceptable. There simply has to be a separation between public and private life. If you want to go protest the Senate Majority Leader, then go do that at the Senate, not at his home. This is just beyond the pale and completely unacceptable in civil society. Now, Mitch McConnell's past actions back in 2016 with Obama's nominee do make him look like a total moron now. Because it was he who said then that, quote, it seems clear President Obama made this nomination not with the intent of seeing the nominee confirmed, 
but in order to politicize it for purposes of the election. And, quote, the American people are perfectly capable of having their say on this issue, so let's give them a voice. Let's let the American people decide. The Senate will appropriately revisit the matter when it considers the qualifications of the nominee the next president nominates, whoever that might be. In other words, he was leading the chorus of voices who argued that Obama should not be appointing a nominee on his way out. What ended up happening, of course, back then is that 11 Republican members of the Senate Judiciary Committee signed a letter to Mitch McConnell stating their intention to withhold consent on any nominee made by Obama and that no hearings would occur until after January 20th, 2017, when the next president took office. And this position actually subsequently became known as the McConnell Rule. So he played an instrumental role in keeping Judge Garland from filling Scalia's vacant seat. And he even declared to a crowd in Kentucky that, quote, One of my proudest moments was when I looked at Barack Obama in the eye and I said, Mr. President, you will not fill the Supreme Court vacancy. Okay, so McConnell looks like an inconsistent grifter right now because he's now saying let's go ahead and vote on President Trump's nominee, but he was adamant back in 2016 that the Senate should not do so for Obama's nominee. But the fact of the matter is, that he was wrong then to suggest that there's any impropriety in a president using his legitimate powers to appoint judges of the Supreme Court, and that argument is wrong now. It wasn't just Ruth Bader Ginsburg, by the way, who pointed out the absurdity of suggesting that the president's constitutional appointment powers are somehow suspended in the final year of his presidency. Barack Obama himself correctly pointed this out. The Constitution is pretty clear about what is supposed to happen now. When there is a vacancy on the Supreme Court, the President of the United States is to nominate someone. The Senate is to consider that nomination and either they disapprove of that nominee or that nominee is elevated to the Supreme Court. Historically, This has not been viewed as a question. Uh, There's no unwritten law that says that it can only be done on off years. That's not in the constitutional text. I'm amused when I hear people who claim to be strict interpreters of the Constitution suddenly reading into it a whole series of provisions that are not there. Absolutely right. There's no unwritten rule about off years, and there's no principled basis for arguing that a president should not nominate someone in his final year. The deeper problem here, as I see it, is the fact that the role of justices on the Supreme Court, and really the role of the Supreme Court itself, has expanded so far beyond what the judicial branch was meant to be. The main role of the federal courts, as the framers envisioned it, is to act as a check on the legislature. As experts in and scholars of the Constitution, the job of judges on the Supreme Court is to determine whether acts of Congress are constitutional. But the phenomenon of activist judges, or what some people call legislating from the bench, has replaced what the role was intended to be. Rather than simply clarify and interpret the Constitution with the meaning it had when it was adopted, judges particularly progressive ones, have begun looking at the Constitution as a living document, 
which develops and improves over time, and they see their job as helping us read into the Constitution laws and principles and precedents which they deem to be enlightened or desirable. This is, of course, problematic because it completely circumvents the democratic process in which the citizens vote for laws that they want to see enacted through the legislature. If judges are unaccountable, it's obvious they can't be in a position to be making laws or introducing new ideas. Their job is to simply examine disputes between citizens and the government and determine how the Constitution applies and to determine whether laws conform to the Constitution or whether they ought to be struck down for violating some provision of it. It was in Federalist Number 78, Alexander Hamilton wrote, Whoever attentively considers the different departments of power must perceive that in a government in which they are separated from each other, the judiciary, from the nature of its functions, will always be the least dangerous to the political rights of the Constitution, because it will be least in a capacity to annoy or injure them. The executive not only dispenses the honors, but holds the sword of the community. The legislature not only commands the purse, but prescribes the rules by which the duties and rights of every citizen are to be regulated. The judiciary, on the contrary, has no influence over either the sword or the purse, no direction either of the strength or of the wealth of the society, and can take no active resolution whatever. It may truly be said to have neither force nor will, but merely judgment, and must ultimately depend upon the aid of the executive arm even for the efficacy of its judgments. That's the key point. The Supreme Court has neither force nor will, merely judgment. The perversion of this, starting with the Warren Court in the 1950s, is what's responsible for people caring so damn much about who was appointed to the Supreme Court. And this is the problem with expanding the powers of a branch of the government. If you allow it at a time when it is to your advantage, well, there will surely come a time when you wish those powers were more limited. Supporting expanded powers of the executive branch simply because you support the guy currently in power is short-sighted and stupid because there's no guarantee that someone you like, someone wise and virtuous, will always occupy the office. So the rule to go by is if you wouldn't be okay with expanded powers at a time when someone you loathe is in office, then you shouldn't be okay with it even when someone you support is because there will always inevitably come a time when someone you dislike has that power. The same applies to the question of the Supreme Court. If justices didn't have the power to try to shape society or move us to a more progressive, more enlightened world through their jurisprudence, and if instead they simply applied their expertise on the Constitution to the cases before them, by applying the principles as they were understood at the time the Constitution was adopted, people will be a lot less worked up about which person happens to be appointed to the Supreme Court. Anyhow, that's it for this video. I just wanted to do a quick overview of some of the stupid and cringe going on with regards to the appointment of a new justice to the Supreme Court. As always, if you enjoyed the video, please leave a like, comment, and if you're not already subscribed, hit that subscribe button and hit the notification bell to get a notification every time I publish a new video. That's it for this one. I will see you all in the next video.